Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Reloscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions in life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Reloscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast. Um, I am here today with Amanda Lambros, who is a relationship counselor and sexologist. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really going to appreciate looking forward to today. For sure. I'm really excited to talk. I don't think we've covered, um, we're going to be talking about confidence and finding confidence and flirting and that early kind of relationship stage, which I haven't actually talked about all that much on the show yet. We've had like maybe one episode about it so far. Um, but most of the time I get to talk about like already being in a relationship as yeah. opposed to the acquisition of one. Um, so yeah, this will be an interesting one for sure. Brilliant. Um, I guess before we kind of get into that, can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? So I am originally a Canadian who came over to Australia about 21 years ago. So I've spent a few decades here now, although I don't sound like it. I came over mostly the main reason was to study my master's of forensic sexology. So I finished that degree possibly like on a Wednesday, went out celebrating with my girlfriends on a Friday, met my husband. And as I say to most people, like all over Red Rover, I was like, hot island, cold country. Yeah, I'm going to stick with hot island. I'm good with that. Um, so I remained in Australia ever since. I've been a relationship therapist for over two decades. Absolutely love it. I would say that I started like most therapists uh, looking into anxiety and depression and it just wasn't a challenge for me. Like it was so easy um, that my clinical supervisor at the time said, if you're really looking for a challenge, start working with couples. And I was like, challenge accepted. And I've just absolutely loved it ever since. So over the years, I've worked at a university managing a really large unit on evidence-informed health practice. I'm the author of quite a few textbooks, so I know that sounds rather geeky, um, but as an academic, that's one of the things that we tend to do. Um, I've written a few of my own personal books as well. Um, a few years ago, I did a TED Talk, uh, and my highlight of the TED Talk, which is called Date Night is Cheaper Than a Divorce, is that it really gives people an insight into if you invest in your relationship then you really won't be needing to go through a divorce. And I think that's one of the key elements that a lot of people miss once they're in a relationship. They think, oh, easy. I'm here. I'm good. I'm done. Uh, when in reality, it's like, no, you got to do some hard work and invest in the relationship. So that way you're not headed towards divorce. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. I'm married an Australian. I've got two boys myself who are teenagers and keep me on my toes. That's for sure. Um, but other than that, I, I love training in mental health first aid, so I do a lot of training and I travel about seven months out of the year uh, and speak on large uh, stages. That's what I call like keynote speaking. Um, so I travel, speak on large stages and, you know, share some insights. 
Amazing. That's so cool. I totally sympathize with you on the teenage boys. Uh, my younger brother is eight years younger than me. So I fully understand what it's like to have to coexist with a teenage, <laughs> with teenage boy. boys. <laughs> well, vastly different than teenage oh. girls. <laughs> oh, they really do. <laughs> Terribly so. Uh, we've got a quick section to get to know you better. It's called Have You Met Amanda Lambros? In which I ask you a couple of quick questions about yourself. Are you happy to answer them? Absolutely. Amazing. I'm going to start with um, a book. What is your favorite book? One of my favorite books. Oh, God, that's that's the hardest question. I think you're going to ask me all day. Uh, I change my books so regularly. I do a lot of reading um, and I absolutely love reading. And I'm usually on a different book each week because I go through them so quickly. Um, but probably my all time favorite at the moment uh, that I kind of recommend a lot of people read is The Mountain Is You. Uh, and it's all about self-sabotage and kind of paying attention to how we can opt to self-sabotage and how we can actually learn the skills not to. So I like that one. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I, I feel self-sabotage is a term I'm unfortunately all too familiar with, but haven't read up enough about. So maybe I'll add that to my book list. It, it'll be um, a great one. <laughs> Yeah. Sadly, I'm not as fast a reader, so we'll see. We'll see how long it takes me. Um, but what about a movie? Do you have a favorite movie? Oh, uh, hands down, The Vow. Um, yep. Rachel McAdams. Yep, yep. Yep. I can like I've seen it so many times. I pretty much start crying at the intro. I'm like, oh, I already know what's going to happen. It's so beautiful. Um, and that that's probably like my sappy romance in me that I love that movie very, very quickly, followed by anything in the Magic Mike trilogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is Channing Tatum in The Vow as well? Is, is or am I, did I? Oh, I've seen it, I loved it. Now you're testing me. I don't think he is. Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, if there's an overlap, there might be a purposeful overlap. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll have to Google that. I think later. I'm sure the people listening and and watching as well are googling that right now. My um, <laughs> uh, What about a podcast that you've been really into lately? Uh, I absolutely love because my master's degree, one of my master's degrees, is in forensic sexology. So I'm a little bit of a buff around criminology and like murder mysteries. Um, so I have a range of different podcasts I love, but I would, oh, I can't place my finger on one that I love more, but they're usually around like a murder mystery, true crime kind of thriller stuff. Are you listening to one right now? Um, I am. Uh, and it's actually about some guy who's like, who's gone out and killed his kids and stuff like this. And his wife had no knowledge of it and i'm like as a parent i have no clue how you have no knowledge of something like that happening yeah. I'm like what so uh yeah that's it <laughs> oh my god okay well uh someone probably based on that plot will know which podcast that is true crime is very popular after all um famous what about a famous role model do you have someone that you've perhaps looked up to either personally or professionally I would say not so famous but um mine is my mom my my two favorite close to my heart role models have always been my grandmother and my mother. I come from very empowered, successful, strong women. 
um, as a lineage. And I just look at the things that they've been able to do throughout their life. And I just think it's brilliant of the strides they've been able to make. And so if I can even model a portion of my success on what they've done and the road that they have paved for me, then I am more than happy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Amazing. I think uh, choosing your mom and your grandma is definitely like the admirable choice for <laughs> sure. Um, what about the last course that you completed? Last, well, interesting. Uh, last course I completed was two days ago, and it was a suicide prevention for the elderly. So I'm, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a mental health first aid trainer across Australia. And one of the key topics we talk about a lot is suicide. And the highest rate um, of suicide by age happens in people over the age of 80. Um, so the average across Australia is much younger. It's 15 to 44. Um, but they did a special course on suicide in the, in the elderly and how we can look at uh, early intervention and prevention. And so that was two days ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. I wish I could take that course myself, but <laughs> it, it was I... brilliant. It was really insightful. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like we don't think about that enough. But before I'm not going to derail this episode and, and kind of go into that, uh, I'm going to focus us back in. Thank you so much for answering all of those questions. We've gotten to know you a little bit better. Um, and we're going to talk now about um, confidence uh, and flirting and the role that confidence can play in that kind of early stage of a relationship or seeking a relationship. Um, to start off really broadly, uh, we've got a whole show is about relationships. So how do you define um, a relationship, particularly a romantic one? Um, so for me, and I, I like that you made that distinction because relationship versus romantic relationship are two vastly different things. <laughs> um, so a relationship can be simply something, something that you are in with another person um, that you're choosing to do a little more than norm is what I'm going to say. So if you're roommates, that's one thing. A little more than norm is that you're actually going on dates or you're spending additional time with the person. When it steps into a romantic relationship, it's that your mind is actually focusing on that person. You're actually thinking about um, how can I best uh, look out for them and how how are the decisions I'm going to make impact us as a relationship? And so I really, really do look at it as like, this is me, this is my partner, and then this is us. And so when you're constantly considering the us component, that to me is a romantic relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like romantic relationships have changed over the past few decades, whether that be in their structure or their meaning or importance? Uh, I think because we live in what I'd call now a fast society. Um, so everything, everyone wants everything quick and, and like yesterday, and they don't want to take the time to be dating for a while before they get engaged, before they get married, before, you know, like they don't want to have that length of time between the steps. Um, so it's all like quick, quick, quick. We got to do this. We got to do that. Um, but unfortunately, what we're discovering now is that there's a lot of women in particular who are for focusing more on their career than on relationships, which is great. However, at the point that they do get into a relationship, they kind of need that 
impetus of like quick, 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 because their body clock is ticking. And so if they don't get on that concept quick, 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 they'll miss out on actually potentially becoming a parent. Um, And so that's one thing that I've noticed in the shift. Relationships in general have not changed. People are still looking for relationships. People are still entering into relationships. Um, People, you know, there's still the same problems. There's a lot of people who have not been taught how to have a relationship. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I bring to this field is that I really educate people on to how to have a relationship that is really successful that you want to have last for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like there's not like there's no one teaches you like how to sit down and communicate with another person, how to like resolve conflicts with another person, all of that basic stuff that like I think when you're in a romantic relationship with someone can get all the more heated. Mm. Um, it can, you'll be arguing over like nothing, but you still have to learn to resolve it. Like it's something much more serious than that. Well, and that's what you, like you kind of just nailed it there. Like you have to learn to resolve it, but how do you learn how to resolve it if you've never been given those skills? Yeah. So absolutely you can resolve it, but if you've not been provided with those skills, then how do you actually do that? And so yeah. that's where I, I see my piece in it of like, I'll give you those skills. I'll teach you those skills. I'll send you away. I'll want you to master them. And then when you master them, come back to me for another skill. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I guess like our episode today is, is about f- like flirting um, and how to be confident in that. How do you define flirting, first of all, I guess is my question. Well, there's a few different concepts around flirting. So there's a physical flirting where you might actually reach out and touch someone. There is an emotional flirting. And so that involves usually a lot of conversation. And so the undertones of that conversation. And then there's what we call this physiological invisible flirting. And that might be like um, the shot of the eyes across the room or like something like that. Uh, so there's three real defined components of flirting. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, as someone who's like really, really bad at noticing when someone is flirting with me, I feel like having that defined and like stating exactly what it is and how it works can be really helpful. I'm (laughs) sure I'm not the only one. I'm definitely not alone in this. Yeah. I I think we can be quite, (laughs) quite blind to that kind of thing. Um, I guess what is then the the connection between I, I mean I I assume that attractiveness is ha- factors in this somewhere and that you're probably going to flirt with somebody you find attractive like what is the link between the two it does but it's funny because attractiveness is not usually the first thing that's evident with uh, flirting so usually it's actually self confidence. And so a person could be like, you know, what someone else would consider to be a 10 out of 10 attractive, but if they don't have self-confidence in that 10 out of 10 attractive persona, then the flirting is going to fall flat on its face, you know? So it's almost like take a step back and understand where confidence plays a role in flirting. And so if you're confident about your approach and then confident towards being able uh, to approach somebody else or, you know, smile a certain way or, you know, do that little eye shot around, that becomes the kind of number one key component of flirting. So, yeah, self-confidence. <laughs> self-confidence. How, 
And this is, I guess, the big question. How do you appear confident when flirting? Uh, there's so many different ways to consider, but uh, it's self-assuredness. And I think that's the thing is um, everyone exudes confidence a little bit differently. Sometimes you'll physically see it in somebody's body, like they might hunch their shoulders if they're not confident, whereas they actually might stand up really straight with broad shoulders if they are confident. Um, one of the things a researcher named Amy Cuddy wrote a book and it was all about a stance and that there's like this Superman pose where you actually put your, you know, your hands on your hips and you're posing pretty confidently. Um, and that's something we can actually do as a trick to confidence. But we know that that self-assuredness actually attracts others. So confidence is an attractive quality that really essentially draws people to you. And it's almost like an invisible, visible, invisible is what I'm going to say, because you can kind of see it on some people, but some people, they don't necessarily display that confidence physically, but it's like this, how do I say, it's just like this vibe that they just signal to others, like, I'm confident, come and talk to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How... How do you begin to feel that confidence? Like what, because I'm assuming it doesn't come, it definitely doesn't come naturally to me. Um, I, I'm assuming for most of people as well, it just doesn't come naturally. So how do you, how do you begin to cultivate that in yourself? I think that's a brilliant question because like you pointed out, like you're right, it does not come naturally to a lot of people. Some people it does, but not to a lot of people. And so unfortunately, sometimes people have to like fake it till they make it. But there are skills and strategies you can learn to do that faking thing. So I go back to the Amy Cuddy because that's what she studied. That's what her PhD was on. And when she wrote this book, part of it is simply just kind of putting your hands on your hips and like standing in a confident pose, like the Superman pose is what they call it. If you do that for a period of five to 10 seconds, so not a long time at all, um, it kind of rewires stuff in your brain and kind of goes, hey, I'm confident about this situation. But again, you got to fake it till you make it. So it's like learning the right techniques. And the other thing is nonverbal cues matter so much. And so understanding that confidence just isn't look at me or the words that I'm expressing, it's also a lot to do with body language, your tone of voice, your facial expressions. And so if you're like looking down to the floor that's not a confident pose. Where if you're like looking up, chin's up, you can actually see that the chin is forward. That's that's good posture towards making eye contact, towards using assertiveness, but being very respectful in the gestures as well. And all of that is like the package deal that enhances your flirting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess my question then is like, what are those nonverbal cues? Because they, I feel like they're like the major, like so much of it is probably just nonverbal stuff that we don't necessarily have control over. Um, <laughs> what, what are those cues? And I know there's so many. So let's like, I guess, focus it in on like in the context of flirting. Like, what, what might they be? Okay, so first and foremost, chin up. So anytime your chin is above, like, so imagine your neck, right? Like your neck has, let's say a, a hundred points on it. If your chin is below 50 points, that is not confident. And so you want to make sure that your chin is kind of roughly at like the 75% mark. 
Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, just assume like down in the bottom of the pit of your throat here is a zero. The top of your neck is a hundred. You want your chin to be sitting at 75. Uh, anything that and above really shows confidence. Um, that's one thing. The next is the broad shoulders. So rather than having rounded shoulders move forward, because that's a lack of confidence, you actually want your body posture to kind of put your shoulders back. Um, for people who don't necessarily do this, let me tell you the hint here. This is super uncomfortable. For people to kind of like unnaturally just move their shoulders back seems so weird. Um, but being able to practice it. And like the great thing about confidence, you can actually practice this all in the comfort of your own home. Comfort of your bathroom, comfort of your bedroom, have a mirror available to you. Even if you don't have a mirror, like grab an iPhone, put it on a stand in front of you and just practice like, okay, what's this going to look like? And also, what does it feel like? So if you start having a conversation with me and you're talking to me like this, you'll notice that your tone of voice even changes. Whereas if you start talking and then you lift your head, your tone of voice changes as well. So paying attention to that is really important. Yeah, for sure. I, I think if for the people in the audience who are perhaps listening in audio form, I do recommend watching this in video <laughs> to see like the demonstrations that Amanda has been making on screen because I find it really helpful when you combine the two. It's like looking and then the 75% rule is a great one, actually, especially as someone who has a double chin. I think it's perfect. <laughs> um, I guess what are kind of some of the misconceptions around being self-confident while flirting? Um, I would say probably the misconception is that probably everybody is good at it. And mm. it's not. It is definitely, it's a learned behavior. It's a skill that you have to develop. Um, same thing with like eye contact, you know, I just can't speak more highly of eye contact. If you're looking at a ground or looking into the corners of the room or looking through the person you're trying to have a conversation with, like and trying to flirt with, and you're looking through them and not necessarily at them, that's going to make a huge impact. Uh, so really don't kind of undervalue the importance of direct eye contact because that that is another huge thing. And it's these little nuances. So it's not like we're talking about rocket science here, right? It's just tiny little nuances. Instead of looking down or looking up or looking to a corner, look directly at the person eye to eye. Now, I'm going to say this. Don't stare at somebody. That's creepy, <laughs> right? <laughs> If you're like staring at somebody wide-eyed across the room, that, that's not flirting. So typically really great re research has been uh, put out there that if you actually look at somebody, hold the gaze for roughly three seconds, so not long at all, and then look away, that's all you need for a confident eye-to-eye -eye flirt. Now, don't look away and never look back at the person again you're, you're going to have to look back at them again. But again, you don't want to hold the eye gaze too long, but you also want to be able to look at them. Don't be looking at the floor and the ceiling. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, is there 
Is there an interval for the time between? Like, <laughs> yeah, like three seconds, three seconds, yeah. three seconds. <laughs> yeah, but like between those three second glances, is there like, how long do we wait? I guess. I know this makes it seem so clinical, but I'm just wondering if that research is out there at all, if anyone's kind of looked into it. There absolutely is research out there on this. And I think that's brilliant that someone has gone out of their way to study this, which is great. Um, but it's, less than two minutes. So you want to gaze up at someone for about three seconds, then you look away for less than two minutes, which kind of gives someone that opportunity for their brain to go, hey, I think that person was looking at you. Pay attention to them. Then they will redirect their focus to you. And if you look up at them again and your eyes meet, it's like connection. That's what you want. You want the genuine connection of like, yep, now you've caught my eye. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Are there kind of like, we've, we've already talked a little bit about the challenges of like confidence and, and why that might be difficult to cultivate. But I want to know about the challenges of like flirting. What, what are some of the issues that people have? Is that they're terrified to do it. <laughs> um, I also think we live in a really negative society. So we are more likely to have a negative mindset as opposed to a positive mindset. And so that's one of the key indicators that you kind of, that fake it till you make it concept, make sure that you actually have a positive mindset so that you're sitting there kind of going, I'm going to go out and do this on purpose. You know, like I'm going out to flirt, to get a reaction, to get whatever it is that I'm actually looking at to receive. Um, so positive mindset. And I think one of the other kind of pitfalls around that is people, if they've been rejected. Now, I feel for anybody who has purposely gone out there, they've done the right skills and strategies and tricks, and they're like, yes, I've got this positive mindset, I'm going out to flirt, and they've been rejected. Um, because that's a bit of a, I'm going to say it's a kick to the guts, especially if you're like purposely wanting to flirt with somebody and it's just not received the same way. So I think handling rejection gracefully, like don't let it be like, oh, I've, I've been rejected once, therefore I'm always going to be rejected. Like you don't want it to be an all or nothing mental concept. Just handle rejection gracefully and be like, okay, it didn't work with that person this time but it might work with somebody else next time. And I'm totally okay with that. Sure. I think there's this um, kind of uh, patterns that people, particularly on the internet, have noticed about like mostly men, I think, finding it difficult to accept rejection. Like they often feel like it's the fault of the other person as opposed to just them simply not being attracted to you. Like there's not really much, it's kind of beyond your control. Um, how like what kind of, oh, how would you try and change that mindset in people? What, what would you say to those people? Well, I would say it's kind of understanding that you're not going to win them all. <laughs> you know, like if, if flirting and dating and relationships were easy, everyone would be in one and they'd all be successful. Yeah. And in reality, they're not. So being okay with the fact that they're not is really important. And just, I think that's part of working on this positive mindset is, hmm, well, I attempted, but that wasn't for me. You know, there's plenty of fish out in the sea. There might be somebody else. 
you know, so don't really let the rejection hamper on your mindset too much, because what that will do is it'll stop you from progressing to the next situation. Yeah, yeah, sure. What role, um, and I, I, I guess I'm curious about this because like I said earlier, I'm not the best at noticing when people are flirting with me. Um, what role does confidence play in the reception of, of being flirted with? Um, I think, I think that comes back to really kind of gaining knowledge about like, do your homework. So gain knowledge about what flirting is. So like even listening here, right? Learn effective um, self-esteem. What does self-esteem look like? Build your self-esteem, learn effective communication skills, um, gain knowledge about body language and what your body and your face comes off saying like you know i'm sure we've all heard can can i even say resting bitch face um <laughs> you know you it, it, it's pay attention to what is my face saying to people what is my body saying to people and if you genuinely don't know phone a friend be like hey friend i need you to come over here and give me an honest opinion like yeah. if i'm just you know, resting my face or smiling or even practicing. I've got a drink in my hand and my face looks like this. What is my face saying? Is it saying like, hey, come and have a conversation with me? Or is it like, oh, stay away from that person? You know, like, so I think that's part of it. It's do the work to find out what you need to do within you to be confident and then share that with others. So yeah, that sure. that becomes a big thing. And I'm going to say the, the next biggest thing that maybe people don't pay enough attention to is active listening. So really, really true confidence involves being genuinely interested in others and actively listening to them. Like when I'm sitting here, like even just listening to you and the questions, I'm genuinely interested. I'm not scrolling on my phone. I'm not checking the internet and the web pages for all these other things. It's like, I'm focused on you and I'm paying attention to you and I'm genuinely interested and vice versa. And I get that feel from you as well. That is a level of confidence. Whereas if you hum and on, uh, oh, well, um, uh, mm, that's not confident. Sure. I think, you know, staying off your phones, I think is a really important one. I don't know. I haven't been on the dating scene in a very long time, but I, I do know that there's a lot of like particularly horror stories from friends who have been like, they've been on a date that from someone they met on Tinder and they'll be swiping while they're on the date. Oh, and it's just like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that's horrible. It's like, what? I, I How does anyone feel like that's an acceptable thing to do while you're on a date? It's so strange. Um, I guess speaking of Tinder, my, I guess, final question about this is like, how, how does all of this apply to the online context? Because a lot of people are dating online, they're using apps. Um, what, uh, how do you appear confident online with limited communication capacities? Well, see, I think you have just asked the question that opens the can of worms. Yep. Because online, we can actually appear, we can genuinely fake confidence online really, really, really well. 
Whereas you might kind of be engaging with someone on one of those dating platforms and you're like, oh, this person's really doing it for me. They seem confident. They seem self-assured. Then you meet them in person and they're the, um, uh, 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 they can't get a sentence out. They can't, they're just awkward, you know, and you're like, okay, where's the disconnect? And the disconnect is that in, in online environment, they had the time to think about it. They had the time to go, okay, how, how can I sound cute and witty and fun? And, you know, so they can really put thought and effort into it. Whereas in the moment, in present time, face-to-face with someone, you don't have to talk. You just don't have the time to think about how am I going to say this? Or how can I sound cool and witty? Or how do I just put in a cute little humorous thing? It's like, you've got to be on the go. Absolutely like on point when you're face to face. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges is that people go overboard with sounding fun and witty and cute and whatever online. And then when they meet them in person, you're like, oh, wow, this is not what I was expecting. And then, you know, it may not actually eventuate to a second date because there was just such a disconnect. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that there's also that what you were talking about earlier about body language, right? Which is kind of missing when you're having conversations just over text. Yeah. Um, and you kind of have to be on top of that when you meet them in person um, and, and actually display the right signals. So hopefully those people are listening <laughs> to this episode. And, and uh, I would actually, um, just to add to that, it's really important to understand that like Confidence needs, there needs to be a balance. So confidence has to be balanced with respect and consent and like understanding of boundaries. So genuine confidence is actually really, really attractive. Like it it has that like magical energy that attracts you to other people and attracts other people to you. So it's kind of like this, it's like a magnet, right? Really great confidence is like a magnet. Whereas arrogance or disrespect is really off-putting. So confidence is flirting um or sorry confidence in flirting is really all about being comfortable with yourself comfortable with others valuing others and their boundaries as well which is so important but also creating like a meaningful connection with mutual respect on shared interests like there's so many different things there's the variables involved in flirting are huge and it definitely needs to be balanced and if it's not balanced that's where people go oh they were just arrogant or they didn't understand my boundaries and that's why i don't want to be anywhere near them and so if they're arrogant or not understanding boundaries they actually are not attractive at all like it it kind of it's that polar opposite of if you have two magnets that attract and then you flip one magnet over and it pushes it away the flip side of the magnet is that arrogance does that does that make sense no, that makes perfect sense. And I, I do agree. I think that there's a certain level, there's there's a certain point where confidence can kind of push into arrogance when you don't respect the people that you're interacting with and communicating with. Mm-hmm. And that's, for me personally, I find that really off-putting. I do wish a lot of people out there would find it more off-putting um, than I think they do, but I definitely agree. I, I'm 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 with you on that one. Um, I might, 
we could keep going, I guess, forever <laughs> on that. Um, but I wanted to move on to our practice slash habit experiment debrief where we try to put what we've discussed into practice in some way. So Amanda, what is a practice that either you have done or you have recommended mm-hmm. um, to other people to it, make themselves a more successful flirter or f- if that's if that's a if that's a noun <laughs> flirty whichever and i did already touch on it a little bit and i i will absolutely reinforce it it is the study done by amy cuddy and it is a matter of putting your hands on your hips and doing that superman pose in the superman pose your chin needs to be at like the 90 to like 100 like it needs to be really looking towards the sky super like great superman pose hold it for an extended period of time, five to 10 seconds. Right, right. Do it about three times before you're like going into that process of flirting. That's a brilliant way to start increasing that internal confidence. Right, right. And and I guess it's the kind of thing you can do alone before you head out as well. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what are kind of three good things about this practice? Um, like about flirting or just about no no superman uh, the, pose? The pose yeah yeah okay so three great things about the superman pose is you can do it in the privacy of your own home like <laughs> you don't need to walk into the middle of a bar and be like hello i am here and create a superman pose that you know that's probably not going to win you <laughs> many points there so i'd say first and foremost it can be done in the privacy of your own home secondly the benefit is that it's actually research based So we know that there is evidence around the benefits that this will create. Um, And thirdly, it's something that you can um, practice because I think that's the big thing is that you don't just do it once and never do it again. You've got to try practicing it over and over again. And so it's not hard. It's a very simple thing to be able to do that you don't have to go and read a book. You don't have to go and download something. You don't have to journal. It's like, put your hands on your hips put your chin towards the sky and hold that pose for a few seconds. So I'd say those are the three benefits. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are, what are the challenges when you do this practice? And you kind of briefly mentioned like maybe just walking into a bar and <laughs> posing for five seconds might not be the best idea, but what, what are some of the other issues with it? I would say probably if I was going to nail down three challenges is that people think it's ridiculous. So Mm -hmm. people are like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to do it. And so they already have a limiting belief around the purpose or the value of doing it. And so they just won't action it. Um, So I think that becomes probably the biggest uh, limitation of it. Uh, I think sometimes people try something once and don't get the immediate response that they want. So again, they're going to not do it. Like they kind of want to see that immediate response. And if they're not getting it, they're like, oh, that didn't work for me. Okay, move on. Uh, And I think thirdly, if I had to think of a third limitation for this one, I think if you told your friends about it, that you were like doing the Superman pose, they might make fun of you. Like, that's what friends are for. I think that's a given. You could you could be doing the most normal thing ever and they'd make fun of you anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and I guess like my final question around that is that based on your experience, how would you like, do you have kind of another habit or another practice that you would combine with the pose to improve it? Well, actually, yeah. Another thing I would combine, and again, this is done in the safety of your own home. And what you need is you need a mirror, regardless if it's a bathroom mirror or a bedroom mirror, or whatever. You need to attempt to gaze at somebody else's eyes. Well, if you're gazing at your own eyes, bonus. So literally kind of like move your shoulder shoulders to the side and instead of like front on, because sometimes we don't tend to flirt front on. We tend to flirt with our body posture kind of on an angle. So approach the mirror, body posture on an angle and kind of like look to the mirror and look eye to eye, like just do that flirt hold it for a few seconds and then look away and then look back again and do that flirt for three seconds. That to me, I would say is a really great way of practicing eye contact, especially if you feel really uncomfortable with that. I think practicing on yourself will prepare you for literally anything because for me, I cannot imagine anything more uncomfortable than giving myself eye contact in the mirror. <laughs> there you go. Know. Yeah, I find uh, like, uh, yeah, looking at myself in the mirror for like that long and uh, when I, and like eye contact, I, I feel and I'm definitely I don't think I'm alone in this. I think there's a lot of people who are very uncomfortable kind of just staring at themselves for extended amounts of time in the mirror. So I think if you can do it with yourself, you can do it with anyone. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I'm going to say, don't underestimate the power of a smile. So even if it's just like lifting the one side of your mouth as like a half smile, you know, if you can't get a whole smile in, but it doesn't need to be a giant cheeky, like teeth showing, like just a smile. A smile goes a very, very long way. Relaxing your face, especially if you do have resting bitch face, normally it <laughs> goes a long way. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for sharing all of that. That's kind of like the end of the debrief. Um, so really appreciate that. I'm definitely going to have some people making eye contact with themselves in the mirror, doing the Superman pose <laughs> um, from now on. But uh, we do have a couple of questions from the audience. Are you happy to answer them? Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, I guess uh, the first question, and this is one that like I left out of our interview segment because I felt it was a really good one to kind of have on its own. How do you strike a balance between being confident and being authentic? Strike a balance being between being confident and authentic. I think there's a confidence that comes from being authentic. Like I'm not, you know, if you're if you're inauthentic, then it's make-believe. It's, it's like you can tell they're, they're not that person. Whereas I genuinely feel that it's like what you see is what you get. You're authentically going to get me here. I'm going to be the same person when I'm with my family. I'm going to be the same person if I'm out at the bar flirting. I'm going to, you know, like when you show up with a level of authenticity, I think that that coincides with confidence. And so if you kind of feel like you got to put on a mask in order to flirt, to try to be confident, people are going to see through that. And so, yeah, I would say that's where the two actually really align is that people are really good at, at sifting through the BS. Yeah. 
For sure. I think as well that um, like when you're inauthentic, it, it, it kind of, it's harder to fake that as opposed to like, you know, you've got the fake it till you make it stuff to kind of help build your confidence. But if you're already being yourself within that, it just kind of helps make that process a little bit easier. You're not like making up a whole persona that you then have to like maintain um, whenever you talk to people. So yeah, I totally agree with that. I, the next question um, is more about online dating. It's how can you appear confident while online? Uh, I think actually pay attention to what photos you're using. Okay. Does the body language in your photos show confident body language? That's your first call. Uh, I think the next thing is actually paying attention to what you've written in your profile. And if you've written things that are shorter sentences, it doesn't seem as confident. So it's like those ums and ahs and I can't really build a sentence. So I think those two are the biggest things to focus on. The photos that you're going to lead with and then how you represent yourself within your profile. Okay, that's an interesting one. Um, final question. Uh, and this is, it made me laugh. It probably shouldn't have. But I also think it's a genuine question that a lot of people will have. How can you be confident when you're ugly? Oh, and I... I think that's really interesting because you've just said like ugly. So we're kind of going based on like external factors. Mm -hmm. I know some brilliantly confident people who wouldn't be rated on like the 10 out of 10 scale, but they seem to attract more people with their confidence. And so I think uh, like physical attractiveness is a social norm. And depending on where you are, that norm is going to be vastly different. So I, I have to say that I've seen some extremely people, uh, extremely beautiful people who are absolutely ugly on the inside. And uh, I've seen some people who society may deem not so fabulously stunning, but their confidence is just beaming. So I, I think we kind of have to look past the, the physicality of it and it you tend to shine more from the inside out. Sure. And I think it ties into what you were saying about, you know, the ties between confidence and respect and consent and, and being considerate yeah. with other people. You know, if if you're already all of those things, then you're inherently a good person. And that tends to shine through in the way you interact with other people. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent of the time. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's the end of our audience questions. Um, thank you so much for answering them. I'm sure the people who sent those in will really appreciate it, including that final one. I hope that they don't feel they're ugly anymore. <laughs> um, but um, final segment of our show is called The Open Mic, in which I let you have a mini TED Talk um, about whatever you feel was important to kind of conclude our episode. And you've already done a TED Talk before, so I'm sure, I'm sure you have this in the bag. <laughs> I think for me, one of the most important things, especially on this topic, flirting is not something that we're actually taught. It's kind of like you're a child, you become a teenager. Like as a child, we don't really flirt, you know, and then you you might hear of those things in movies where like they pull each other's hair or they, you know, throw a spitball at somebody, you know, and it's kind of like these little moments of flirtation. Then you become a teenager and you kind of think like, how am I supposed to flirt with someone? And you might be really self-confident about um, not wanting to kind of scare them away and things like that. So I think to pay attention to the fact that this is not something we're taught. 
And so it is something that it is worthwhile, like educating yourself on. There's plenty of books on flirting. There's YouTube videos. There's podcasts, obviously, you know, like there's so many different ways of learning this skill. And it is exactly that. It is a skill. And because you are learning skills and strategies around flirting, it also requires practice. The more you practice, the better you will become at it. And I think there is not like a a stage that, oh, I'm perfect at it. Like there's always a level of being able to learn a little bit more. But then even when you're in like a long-term relationship, which is something that I'm in, I still flirt with my person. So learning those skills is not like, oh, so I'm only going to use them between this age and this age. No, you're going to continue to use them in that relationship so that your person feels valued and cared for and seen. And I think that becomes the biggest thing. Don't feel like this is a skill I'm going to learn that I'm never going to use again. No, this is a lifelong skill. So put the effort and the emphasis in learning it and then do the work of actually implementing it. I'm really glad that um, adults aren't, it's not socially acceptable to flirt with someone by pulling their pigtails as an adult. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I find that like, yeah, that's a really interesting one because I think of like the idea of teenagers flirting and like beyond all of the stuff that you have going on, it's just a very, your standards are very low because you don't know what to expect. Like you don't know what's good. You are so focused. You have no idea who you are. Um, you have no idea the media is kind of giving you all these ideas of like what you should be attracted to. And it's kind of like influences you so much to interact with people in ways that don't necessarily work. And unfortunately, I think that some people don't know how to evolve in their flirting, how they flirt with other people past what they were in high school. And yeah, it's important to kind of learn how to properly interact with people, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much uh, for chatting to me today. Um, I've had such a lovely time. Where can people find you if they're looking for your work? I would say the best place to find me is online and directly at my website, which is amandalambros.com. From there, you can actually see all of my like online programs. I actually offer uh online programs and courses and self-esteem. So it's like, go online, see what's there and available. If you want to watch my TED Talk, it's there as well. So just type in Amanda Lambros or even date night is cheaper than a divorce. And I am very visible online. So I don't think they'd have a hard time trying to find me. Yeah, no, absolutely not. We'll have as most of those links, I think all of those links off the top of my head in the description um, of um, YouTube, Spotify, all of that. Um, so definitely check that out um, down below. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have learned a lot as someone who knew very little going into this. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute delight. You've been listening to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found at re.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kuti. Thanks for tuning in.